we, we did it to ourselves, I hate to say it, you know, we, we overemphasized this, this rugged individualism ideal in the United States. And it's, and it's backfired on a number of levels. One, we've put massive pressure on a young generation that they have to have everything figured out by themselves, do it all themselves, work hard, have a vision, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Know your purpose, which is, by the way, no human being is strong enough to do that alone. And we've forgotten the value of service, you know, service to our fellow human beings, fellow uh, service to our community. Um, you know, the, the, there's just sort of a, a decline in the sense of taking care of each other. And the great irony is as social animals, we only thrive as individuals when we, when we also take care of each other. I mean, even, even uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is so popular even in the business world. And if you consider Maslow made a massive mistake, right? Which is there is an inherent paradox to being human, which is every moment of every day, we are both individuals and members of groups mm -hmm. every day, right? Every day I am confronted with little and big decisions do I prioritize myself at the expense of the group or do I prioritize the group at the expense of myself? There's an entire school of thought that says, no, 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 you have to take care of yourself first so that you'll be healthy to take care of the group. And there's another entire school of thought that says, no, 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 you have to take care of the group so that they can take care of you when you need it. And the answer is you're both right and you're both wrong. It's, it's, it's a paradox. Mm. And this is what Maslow got wrong. You know, at the base of his pyramid is food and shelter. And on the third level up is relationships. I've never heard of anyone dying of suicide because they were hungry, right? We, we, we die of suicide because we're lonely. In other words, there's something more important than food and shelter. If you only consider us as individuals, Maslow nailed it. You got out 100% right. The problem is he forgot that we're also members of groups. And that's the problem. He's only half right. And we've so prioritized, and think about what's at the top of Maslow's hierarchy, self-actualization. How gross is that? That I literally sit on the top of a pyramid. I'm at the highest point, looking down, self-actualized, me. <laughs> Again, what about shared actualization? Yeah. What about that we grow as a community and take care of each other and we take a tremendous joy at the success of others? Any parent knows this, right? The intense joy a parent gets to see their child succeed. Well, that's nothing to do with you. But it is, it's your family, it's your paying it forward, it's all those years of sacrifice that finally bear fruit. Um, and there's something to be said for taking joy in the success of our colleagues and our coworkers and our friends, as opposed to being angry and bitter and what about me? Like I said, we've over-indexed the, the rugged individualism I think we can do, uh, do a lot more. And as if I haven't beaten this horse to death, I'll, I'll add one more thing, just to reinforce the point more. There's an entire section in the bookshop called self-help. And there is no section in the bookshop called help others. This is a problem. Dr. James Kars, who in the mid 1980s articulated these two types of games, finite games and infinite games. A finite game is defined as known players, fixed rules, and an agreed upon objective, football, baseball. There's always a beginning, middle, and an end. And if there's a winner, necessarily there has to be a loser. And then you have infinite games. Infinite games are defined as known and unknown players, which means new players can join at any time. The rules are changeable, which means everyone can play however they want. Um, and the objective is to perpetuate the game, to stay in the game as long as possible. Um, turns out we're players in infinite games every day of our lives. Um, there's no such thing as winning global politics. There's no such thing as winning education. You can come in first 
it, for the finite amount of time you're at school, because there's an agreed upon metric system and there's agreed upon uh, standards as to what first looks like, but nobody wins education. Nobody gets declared the winner of careers. And there's definitely no such thing as winning business or winning politics. You can win an election, but you can't win politics. Um, but if we listen to the language of so many of our leaders, it becomes abundantly clear that they don't know the game they're playing in. They talk about being number one, being the best or beating their competition. Based on what? Based upon what agreed upon objectives, metrics or timeframes. And this is a serious problem because when we play with a finite mindset in an infinite game, when we play to win in a game that has no finish line, there are some consistent and predictable outcomes. The big ones include the decline of trust, the decline of cooperation and the decline of innovation. And when you talk about modern day politics, what do we see? Nothing short of decline of trust and decline of cooperation. They're not working together for the greater good. They're working together uh, to see themselves reelected, whether as an individual or as a party, to stay in power. And sometimes that means doing things that will actually hurt us, the general population, the voter, to protect themselves or protect their images. Uh, there is no sacrifice for the greater good. Are you kidding? And the big joke is, um, there's no such thing as winning or losing in those games anyway. Like when 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 Circuit City went bankrupt, Best Buy won nothing. All that happened was the game changed. Yeah. And I've talked to some old tiny congressmen, and they've said back in the day, um, uh, they used to debate 80% of a bill behind closed doors, and come to a, an agreement. The last 20% was for the cameras. And the ambition, the goal, was that both parties could go back to their constituents and say, we got what we wanted. In other words, both could win. Just like business, it's an infinite game. Two companies selling basically the same product for basically the same price for basically the same quality can both be wildly successful simultaneously. And it's the same in, in politics. Both parties can actually be successful at the same time. But now it's not enough for one party to say, we won what we got what we wanted. We now have um, embraced this finite mindset in this infinite game of politics where it's not enough for us to win, but the other party has to lose, which is a joke because there's no such thing. And all that hurts is, uh, uh, is us. It destroys, as I said, cooperation, innovation, and trust. The, the problem is, is that it's an existential crisis. You know, if we continue down this obsessed, obsessively finite path, it becomes existential. You know, um, um, and and for the cynics out there, you know, the infinite game is not the absence of finite games. Um, it's the context within which those finite games exist. There's nothing wrong with winning if the rules of the game allow for winning, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with metrics and counting. We're we're we're, we're uh, you know, our dopamine-driven brains need, need to count things. We need to f feel the progress, count the progress. You can't run a marathon without mile markers. It's actually really unnerving. Right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But to what end is the question I would ask. To what end? You know, you want to make money. To what end? You want to get a promotion. To what end? So you can retire. You know, you, you, you're not, they're not going to write um, the last balance in your bank account on your tombstone. You know, nobody wants the title on their last business card on their tombstone. We want to be remembered for the kind of people we were. You know, devoted husband, loving mother. This is, this is the kind of people we were, and yet we forget about that. And the funny thing is we're so obsessed with the finite. I mean, take, take exercise is a great example of, of, of the analogies we should be using. We overuse sports and war analogies in business, right? Mm -hmm. But health is actually a much better analogy. So you want to be healthy. Great. There's a whole list of things you have to do. 
you've got to exercise, you've got to eat right, you've got to get sleep, you've got to nurse your personal relationships. The list goes on and on and on. You can't do them all perfectly all the time. Some of that causes stress, but you've got to kind of like try and do as best you can. So pick one of them, exercise, right? There's nothing wrong with having a finite game within that. Just like in business, for example, we can pick an arbitrary number. I want to lose X amount of weight by an arbitrary date. Done. That's exactly what we do in business. That's what called mm -hmm. business planning is. Arbitrary numbers, arbitrary dates, <laughs> right? And so we get to exercising and doing the work and we weigh ourselves every day. And if we have a good day, we feel all great. And if we have a bad day, we feel all down. And if you hit your goal on the right date, on the right time, you feel amazing. This, 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 this feeling of incredible success, except you have to keep exercising for the rest of your life. Like it's not over. Right? It's just one of the steps, it's one of the milestones, but you have to keep at it. And what happens if you miss your goal? Nothing. Nothing happens. Right? Uh, in fact, you're way healthier now than you were when you started, and you'll probably hit your goal in two or three more months if you just keep at it. And it's the same in business. If you miss an arbitrary number and an arbitrary date, you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. And the problem is, is we prioritize those that hit the number on the date and we ignore those that are building good teams with good relationships and good product and good service. And we don't reward those people, even though we can see they'll hit their, their numbers in 13 months instead of 12. We can look at the, we can look at the trend data. And so I think we have to use health as the, as the better analogy when we think about building a business. We want to build strong, long-lasting businesses. We're going to have to do all these practices forever. And the people who succeed us will have to pick up where we left off. And all of the choices we make, the finite choices we make, have to be in service to health, right? We can't just win for now. And if I create problems, I'm going to be retired. It's not my problem, it's yours. We right. can't do that. And so I think, I think health is a much better analogy than sports or war when you embrace the infinite mindset, it actually does lead to finite success. And I, and I think the reason, if this makes so much sense, and here we are talking about it, and it's so logical, and everybody, everyone's nodding, it begs the question, then why don't people do it? And I think this goes back to the leadership vacuum, vacuum that, we, that we live in today, which is to, to, to live a life with an infinite mindset. The problem is, is those accomplishments are not predictable in time. And we live in a world where we really not only want things, but need things. Our whole incentive structures in our companies, um, the, the election cycles, everything is, is set up that you have to show success by this date, by this time. Um, and, and the infinite game just doesn't work that way, which is it's, it's like riding a bicycle. It's like every single kid can learn how to ride a bicycle. It doesn't matter anything. You can learn how to ride a bike. There's a process. You have to start with training wheels. You take one wheel off. You take two wheels off. One of your parents is holding the back of the seat. At some point, they'll let go. You'll look down. You'll freak out. You'll fall over, you know? And if you just go through this process, 100% of kids will learn how to ride a bicycle. The problem is I don't know how long it takes. Right. Some kids will learn quickly. Some kids will, will learn slowly. You know, every kid learns how to walk. Every kid learns how to talk. Parents compare. How long did yours take to walk? Mine's a little slow, right? It's okay. There is a process and 100% of the time it works. And the fear we have is to trust the process. And so we, we hijack the process for the short-term game while doing long-term damage to ourselves or organizations rather than simply trusting the process, working out, all of these things. If you trust the process, 100% of people will get into shape. If you simply work out for 20 minutes a day, 100%. But I just don't know when. And we know this inherently in the infinite games that we're comfortable with. 
like riding a bicycle, like learning to walk or talk, like getting into shape. But for some reason in other infinite games, we, we, we can't do it. And like I said before, the incentive structures we have actually encourage us to ignore the principles of the infinite game and embrace, overly embrace, the rugged individualism and, and, and the, 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 the finite-mindedness. And, and, the, the, and the sad part is, all, all we do is damage to ourselves and the people we love. That's it. You know, the qualities of being a good leader look eerily close to just the qualities of being a good human being. <laughs> you know, um, somebody's, a little, somebody's a little short with you, you know, in customer service, maybe they have a shitty boss, you know? And it's incredibly disarming instead of raising your voice, which we've all done. We've all got short-tempered and we've all got frustrated. Like, we, it, it happens. But for that one time that you have the self-awareness to say to the person, hey, are you okay? I, I, I can only imagine what it must be like over there. And, you know, let me know how I can help you. Like, I don't want to be that difficult customer who makes your job worse. You know, I just want to be that customer who can make your job better, you know? And, and it's remarkable how people respond when we're just nice to them. You know, say please and thank you. Look the barista in the eye and say, thank you. You know, how are you? And actually mean it. My friend, Lieutenant General George Flynn from the Marine Corps says his true test of leadership is if you ask somebody how they're doing and you actually care about the answer. Um, mm. and, uh, and, and like I said, listen not to someone's words, try and listen for meaning. And so, you know, the things that we can start to do um, to be better leaders is recognize that we are we're in this thing called life with others, whether we like it or not. And this is my definition of faith. Faith is the understanding that we are um, on a team, even when we don't know who all the other players are. Um, and you just have to trust that other people will be there for you, even if you don't know who they are, and some of them you do. And likewise for others, that you are on someone else's team. Everyone you interact with on a daily basis, and some you don't, you are on their team even if they don't know you are. Um, and so give people faith in the human race. Give people faith that, that people are kind and good. You know, be that team member. So I think the first thing we can all do, the simplest thing that we can all do to, to be the leaders we wish we had is, is just consider the lives of others.